Occult Confessions is brought to you commercial-free through the generous support of our patrons. Visit occultconfessions.com and click on Donate to help keep the history of the occult on the digital airwaves. My name is Dr. Rob C. Thompson, and I'm the supreme hierophant of the alchemical actors, bringing you a special episode today on the intersection of sexuality and Christianity, specifically among gay believers or former believers. Using the word gay loosely today, we're going to have representatives from uh, various LGBTQ communities. But I'm sitting here uh, with someone you all know and love, Jacob Wheatley, who's got to reintroduce himself to you because uh, Jacob has been to Florida and now he is living in Seattle. And now he goes by. Uh, Jake. So I hate to break the news to everyone, but you all have to call me Jake and there's no way around it. I will send people to your door if you say Jacob ever again. So I'm, uh, I'm Southern Florida to, well, I guess that's North mid Florida to now West coast man. So call me yeah. Jake. Gotta be yeah. Jake, but you still are our night of the dangling serpent. Are you not? Oh, always and forever the night of the dangling serpent yeah. <laughs> that's what i thought <laughs> yeah. oh yeah we the, the members, members of the secret order of alchemical actors do solemnly commit ourselves to a full and honest telling of the history of the occult as far as we know it like riding a bike man oh yeah feels good <laughs> all right there jake uh before i even get into this mm-hmm. I, because you know you and i we know each other well over the years we know each other fairly well yeah you're right fairly well and (laughs) some of the things you're going to tell me today we've talked about before i think you're probably going to tell me things i haven't heard because you and i have i think never sat down and specifically talked about this i don't think i've ever really this is our conversation right i don't think i've ever really delved like i mean i've I've like brushed the surface and stuff to be like, Hey, like these are some things that happen, but I don't think I've ever actually like dived into like my whole stance and experience and stuff on all of it. Yeah. Just to like commit ourselves to like, this yeah. is all we're talking about. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but now the other thing, as mm-hmm. I've known you, you have moved around the L's, the G's, the B's, oh, and the yeah. Q's. It's... <laughs> where, where are you today? Where am I? Okay. So, well, I guess that's the thing. Like I, it's, I, I don't know anyone who's ever actually been like just well I guess some people can be like set like if they discover it but like I, my experience has been all over the place and now I am or I've discovered that I am pansexual and uh, demisexual so pansexual like my attraction can be with anyone despite gender demisexual is the i require more of like an emotional attachment before the sexual Mm -hmm. attachment like comes into it so yeah i hear that i can identify Mm -hmm. with some of that Mm -hmm. sexuality is a spectrum after all Mm -hmm. uh all right so let's get into this let's start with your your deep dark childhood shall we (laughs) oh perfect therapy (laughs) (laughs) so i don't want to assume yeah tell me did you have a what would you you would qualify as a christian upbringing it's it is safe to assume that i did indeed have a christian upbringing um both of my parents are pastors uh we have been all over the I don't know if I can say spectrum of Christianity, but I sort of, I guess, uh, from like Methodist to Pentecostal to non-denominational to Baptist, uh, we were very fluid with all Christianity. Uh, so yeah. 
with your parents being pastors. So they were pastors in how many of those denominations? Uh, they were, so they were youth leaders. Technically, they were about to be ordained for Methodists, except um, it was mostly just my dad at the time. Oh, this was when I was younger because there was a hot minute specifically with the, I don't want to assume it's with all Methodists, but with the sect, I guess, that we were under, women weren't necessarily allowed to be in a specific position. They could have some ordination, but they couldn't be like to like a higher point. It might've changed now. I don't know. Um, So it was mostly my dad, but then they both became pastors under the uh, Pentecostal, specifically the Church of God uh denomination oh. mm-hmm. okay yeah and did you did you then hang with that or is that you you still had more uh d- denominations after that then after pentecostal is the one that they kind of were just like riding out and then towards the end i don't want to say end because still going uh they they are or are ordained under pentecostal uh church of god they still preach um but they prefer to go more of the non-denominational route, even though they technically have their ordination under, I was going to say under Got God, it. but like under church oh, yeah. specifically. We're all under God here. Under God. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Now let me ask that tough question. Mm-hmm. What impact would you say this has had on you, you discovering your sexuality? Uh, ooh, I it it's safe to say it was definitely a huge impact on it that I it took me a while actually to come to terms with who I am um, and my interests because being like told that it's not okay um, and then <laughs> being sent away and stuff it's. What what in particular was not okay? uh, The fact that I was um, attracted to people of the same sex as me. Okay. Yeah. Um, That, and like I have heard it growing up. Um, I never really was like exposed (laughs) to the world much. Uh, I joke around a little bit. This is like slightly veering off but um that like i didn't even know that there was any other music besides like christian music for the longest time because we just weren't allowed to like listen to anything until we switched denominations and that denomination was a little bit more relaxed but even then um still being told that it's uh being part of the community isn't okay and uh you have to fix yourself essentially um well so you did know that there were gays then I did eventually. There were gay people in the world. Yeah. So, like, yes. I didn't know that there was gay people in the world. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I, like, it was when I was, like, younger. It's, I watched a movie, and I was, saw someone in the movie that I was like, oh, they're attractive. And then I was like, wait a second, they're like me. That's interesting. I didn't think that was allowed. Um, oh. The, yeah. And so then, that's your immediate second thought, though. Yeah, I didn't, I, and for the Thought long, one is... I'm having this attraction and thought too is this is bad. Mm-hmm. That's, that's okay. was my process for the up until I was like later in my teens, honestly. Go on. Oh, <laughs> then what yeah. Happens? Okay. Then what happened? Then I, um, I, I, I think the, like the shift happened that I just was like, I, this is a thing, uh, was in my later teens. Uh, 
I started to act upon it. Like I started I act upon it, meaning like I just would like text people and be like, hey, like you're cute. And then they would say the same thing and then I'd be like, oh, this is awesome. But then even then I still had this like, I would basically go through this whole thing that I would be talking to someone. And this was probably when I was maybe like 17 or something like that. And I, I, I would talk to them. Then I would like get ready to like go to bed. And in that moment, the religious guilt <laughs> would just come over me mm -hmm. and I would be like, Oh my gosh, I have to ask for forgiveness for this. And I would basically be like, God, I'm sorry. I promise I won't do this again. And then the next day I found myself that I was like, well, I keep, doing this like i can't help it and then the more rebellious streak started to hit that the more people were telling me what i couldn't do the more i just decided i was going to do it anyways and how did you think of yourself did you think oh i'm evil i yeah i it's that's actually like of where a huge part of my uh battle with like depression and stuff started coming into play was i got so down on myself all the time being for one hearing it from everyone else specifically like um my immediate family like my parents and sibling and stuff that being told that i was just going to be sent to hell essentially it started like weighing on me a lot and then you have these people that you're supposed to trust and learn from because you grow up with them and they're the ones who are teaching you these things and when that's ingrained in you so much, it, it like, it sticks. So then I started telling myself this too. And I, I would be like, I'm living my life. But at the same time, I kind of like started hating who I was after a point. Um, and I got to like a weird place that I just was like, I can't do this. I don't want to do anything anymore one way or another, whether it's like going full into the community and like figuring out who I am or having my life in this like religious community like i couldn't do either because no matter which side it was just kind of rough why is that so you're talking about the gay community or the religious community both honestly because i like that's i had this like struggle that i was going through that i i grew up in uh christianity and it is even like to this day I have a very different stance on it now, but to this day, like it still is like a huge part of me. But back then specifically in my teen years, it was, I, it was almost like I had to choose one or the other. And at that point I didn't want to, because I was, I was still getting the religious, like emotional connection and stuff. And like the like nice feelings that you get out of it when you or like listen i guess i don't it, this is kind of like hard to describe but like when you're listening to like christian music and it's like this very nice like feeling that was kind of my attachment to christianity was through that and i was like i can't give this up but then at the same time i want to like find someone to love you know so but I, those didn't jive together they had to mm -hmm. be in oil and water very much so oil and water and um i I didn't think it was possible for them to coexist. Um, like I would see people who were uh, members of like churches and they would have like pride flags and stuff out. And I, I genuinely like, I was so stubborn in the fact that I was like, that's, that's not what I was told. So I don't think that's a thing. So. 
they're making that up. They're yeah. they're on the wrong side of the law there. Yeah, exactly. I was like, you can't you can't have both, right? <laughs> Yeah. I'm going to mention a couple of words here, and if you don't want to talk about it, we'll edit out that I mentioned them. That's okay. I'm feeling very open today, so we're good. We're good. Let's just roll with it. <laughs> here we go. Those two words are, and you're not going to be surprised to hear them, mm-hmm. conversion therapy. Oh, boy. Yeah. It's, it's those words that I think that they will follow me until <laughs> probably the end of my time you want to talk about it yeah let's do it give me an age what age because i don't i don't think you ever told Um, me exactly when this happened to you okay i I had a vague Um, sense it was in your teenage years yeah so i was um actually i was 16 when i went in i was 17 when i came out (laughs) uh no pun intended but um (laughs) (laughs) uh, i have missed talking to you i've missed talking to you too Uh, (laughs) but yeah so i was I was 16 through 17. Actually, I got my license while I was in conversion therapy. It was wild. Actually, so would you, have I ever told you the full story? I will tell the public if they want to know. Cause Let's I, do it. Yeah, because this is one thing that like I genuinely, I do love telling people this story specifically because it's like, it's funny to some degree, but then also it gives like light that conversion therapy is a thing that still happens like to this day. And we yeah. gotta, we gotta fix that because that's, that's, it's physically emotionally and mentally like harmful to people um so the reason i well i guess the beginning stages of it was i went to the beach one day with my friends and my mom ended up driving us uh none of us could drive actually i was the only one who was going to be able to but i ended up failing my test uh shortly before this trip to the beach ironically i ended up getting my license while i was in conversion therapy so you know maybe it was meant to happen who knows uh but we ended up going and my mom ended up seeing a notification on my phone that i matched with someone um and Mm. it happened to be a boy's name and uh they she shut down for the rest of the day and didn't say anything and i kind of was like i was pretty aware that um something was going on i assumed it was just my friends were probably acting up and she didn't like it but i ended up finding out later that night that um she saw because in the middle of the night she woke me up took me to the room and my family ended up deciding to it was almost like an intervention but i wasn't able to say my piece and they were saying the like typical things that you would expect very like religious people who are against the community to say. Um, and it's the middle of the night. So it's sort of like one of those talk shows where they, the boot camp guy runs in and grabs you out of your bed. Yeah. I was like expecting Ashton Kutcher to like pop out of somewhere and be like, Hey, you're pumped. Oh, and when I was goodness. like, Oh, you got me. Um, but did you try to play it off? Did you try to say, oh, no, that's that's Jamie. That's a girl's name, too, or any well, of this? Or... I mean, the name was Christopher, so, like, it was pretty hard, to. <laughs> <laughs> she's a beautiful girl, Christopher. She's a beautiful girl, Christopher, yeah. <laughs> I, like, I, I, so I am not a good liar at all it's very and yet obvious. you're an actor and yet i'm an actor so ironically when i'm playing someone else i'm great at it but when i'm myself i can't do it i i can try i because tr- in that moment i did i tried to be like oh, i i don't know what you're talking about 
but immediately like within a matter of seconds i was like i mean there's no point in me like trying to lie about this you clearly saw so mm-hmm. i don't and they're know putting on heavy pressure <laughs> yeah very loud heavy pressure um and it that's kind of where the initial like it getting ingrained in me how much i needed to despise this part of me like stemmed from was that night because i started hearing the things that i ended up like i started saying to myself for years after um about like hey you're going to hell like this is disgusting like you don't belong you're not a part of this family and it was just these like weird like (laughs) bad trauma mantras that started Mm. to like develop and then shortly after that uh i was put in a sort of like lockdown in like almost like house arrest kind of that i wasn't allowed to leave the house uh they took all my electronics away from me i didn't have like any contact with the world uh this is summertime so you don't have school yeah this is summertime so i didn't have school uh actually when i ended up going back to school um my senior year everyone was like what happened to you and i was like oh that's a loaded question right now we'll get to that later um because so how long were you cut off i was cut off from may until august so a whole summer yeah a whole summer no one heard from me um because i guess like we started back into school the end of august beginning of september and that's when everyone like saw me again everyone was like we genuinely we thought like something happened to you because it's I have a tendency to also like just disappear for a while too, because I just recluse for a little bit, but like (laughs) this was the longest that anyone had like experienced it. And they were like, we weren't sure if we should come like check on you, which that wouldn't have been good. Um, But yeah, I was put into like a lockdown in the house for a couple months. And then after, at the end of that month is when I was like sent into conversion therapy where in august uh this was may to june then july okay july okay so during the lockdown Mm -hmm. okay during the lockdown is when i was yeah i was i I was released quote unquote by the time school hit but um because also the whole like therapy session thing was over it only what were you thinking were you thinking because of everything they've said i should go i should do this or i didn't really what was your attitude um I didn't have, well, for one, I didn't have much of a say because I was underage. And if you're underage, your parents have every right to determine. Commit you. Yeah, to commit you, basically. Yeah. I mean, they did. <laughs> um, yeah. But I I really like, it's sad to say I'm in a very different place now. So I'm also significantly mm-hmm. older than then. But uh, I really like, I hated myself. I'm more so like, I started taking the side of my family too. I was like, they're right. Everything they said was right. Like, I, I'm i the problem here. Like, I'm the one who has to be fixed. But then at the same time, there was like this like feeling inside of me that was like, that's not true. You know, that's not true. So why are you like feeding into this? But then at the same time, I was like, I genuinely, I just did it for my family. Because I, I just, I didn't want to deal with them really and i knew this was the easiest way to like pacify them but then so I, you would say at this point you did it voluntarily to a degree yeah but but i did under it duress yeah under duress but at the same time i still like i 
yeah, I couldn't have said no to them because, like I said, I was underage. So what they said went, even if I yeah. wanted to say no. Yeah. But yeah, that mm-hmm. makes sense. And then what? What can you tell us about this experience? Um, it's, I I think some parts I still have like locked away that I don't remember completely because I'm kind of like I think that's more of like a safety thing for myself. But I can yeah, we don't have your therapist yeah, on speed dial, that's so I'm like, hey, gotta call her up. Like, How you doing? Just so you know, this is what I'm doing right now. Just like oh, okay, so longer session. Got it. Um, no, I'm joking, but uh. So it was, it started off as a workshop. Also, because I was underage, my dad had to stay there with me, which was the weirdest thing. So he would stay there during the night, then he would leave to go to work during the day. And it was like this whole thing. Um, So, and it happened actually uh, in a hotel (laughs) in uh, Easton. So that, that was something like driving past it, like on Route 50, I would just be reminded of it. Um, so legally, he had to be there at night. Legally, he had to be there. Yeah, because I wasn't I was underage, so I couldn't be there on my own. It was it how was many people strangers. were in the hotel? It was I mean, I don't mean passers, you know, oh, yeah, in, no, in I, the program. I kept a tally yeah. of all the people coming in and out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it was I think there were anywhere from 15 to 20 of us in there i want to say were you the only minor yes i was the only minor um and all of these were adult men who had voluntarily entered the program yeah so that's the thing too it was conversion therapy slash there was another section of people that came in that were like sex addicts that it was like Mm. men who have like a lot of those people it was like men who like cheated on their wives or something like that um they kept us like, liked pornography, liked pornography. Yeah. So like <laughs> in those things we would <laughs> convene, but then like on the other things it would, they kept us like very like separate too. So. So you had a smaller group of, for just mm-hmm. people with same sex attraction. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And it was, like I said, it started off. It seemed at first that I was like, okay, maybe this isn't like a bad thing. It's not as like harsh as I thought it was going to be. Cause it was more like, we would sit down and they would like show us videos to be like, Oh, this is what happens. Like if you choose this lifestyle and then it was like some dude like burning and I was like, okay. Ooh. I mean, I say, <laughs> I probably shouldn't have said, Oh, it's not as bad as what I thought it was going to be. Cause that's still bad. Um, yeah. That's like clockwork orange. They're it, prying your eyes open and saying kind of it's, I yeah. mean, that's sort of where it like started going. They couldn't do anything like too, too bad. Cause again, minor so that was something that kind of kept me safe from a lot of it um but it was so the older folks were subjected to more than you it was there were yeah yeah um i there was a separate room that the older ones that i noticed that they would get like taken away to and i noticed it was sort of like the same setup in the sense of it was they had to like watch these videos and it's like those things that you see in like um kind of like horror movies where people are like being i guess like you said like clockwork orange that you're being forced to like watch this thing like your eyes are like essentially like open they weren't like holding their eyes open but they had to like sit in this room and like stare at this thing and they were being like forced to um but it's not all videos of hell right i mean what else are they showing you uh it's it's 
videos were a large portion workbooks were another portion um they would bring in people for like success stories quote unquote mm. um there were more like i like slap on the wrist type things that it started to get like a little bit more of like the physical like route to kind of keep people in line a little bit um i will leave that one more so vague because i don't want any of it to like trigger anyone but sure sure kind of <laughs> torture-esque is uh a good description of where it started going so it just like built up to that for everyone in the program, regardless of your response. Yeah, basically. Yeah. It's so that was just part of how it worked. Mm -hmm. We had to like revisit traumas that happened to us. We had to act out traumas that happened to us. Um, there was this one thing that a trauma was a huge thing that they just kept like forcing. Cause I mean, to some degree there are like mental things that they do stem from trauma, obviously, but they you mean like fetishes like fetishes yeah um conceivably like fetishes violence to a degree yeah uh we had to draw out what specific moments of trauma were that happened to us um then but the theory here is that your sexuality is tied to trauma basically that's, you weren't, as Lady Gaga says, born this way. Yeah, that but was something happened thing. to you. If someone said that, they genuinely like they would get in trouble and like be sent out of the room or something. Because I don't know what happened. Something but... was done to you that gayed you. It's, yeah, something happened yeah. to you that gayed you. Mm -hmm. I see. So if they could find this trauma, they could. Were these professional therapists? Was anyone here a yeah. professional therapist? Uh, yeah, actually. So the people okay. that were running it were part of That's this. Crazy. It is very frightening because um, they were therapists, but they would go under like Christianity therapy, which. Is, yeah, I know. It, yeah. It's, a, it's a subset like family therapists. Sometimes you have Christian family therapists. Mm -hmm. I'm familiar. Uh, yeah. I ended up one of the ones who was, there was like two guys who were like the main guys that were leading it. Um, that's actually how we ended up finding out about it was because my parents sent me to this therapist and then he was like, Oh, well we have this workshop quote unquote workshop is how they were presenting it to people, uh, that we think would be good. And then, so essentially it was my therapist that was up there that was <laughs> putting me through conversion therapy. So, Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up, I had to continue like seeing him, uh, for, Jeez, I think six months after I got out, my parents. How long was the therapy? The, I mean, the session there. Uh, the or, hotel. Well, I mean, they would last throughout like the day, but it was like for close to like a month. I, I want to say. Were you staying there for a month, or were you in and out? Uh, so for the beginning portion of it, I was, or maybe it was. I don't exactly remember specifically like the time. I know I was staying there for a week, and then it was like outpatient, quote unquote. I see. Yeah. Okay, so you had a week straight, and then it was in and out of the hotel for yeah. the month. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then you kept seeing yes. this person ended up for seeing... six months afterwards. Mm -hmm. Then my parents stopped me from going there because, ironically, I ended up convincing him that being gay is okay. Like, <laughs> it was weird. What? It was the weirdest thing. <laughs> yeah, so, like, I'm stubborn enough that I convinced a conversion therapist that being gay is fine. Like, you just live your life. Like, <laughs> it was the strangest thing 
uh he started to tell me that we needed to have like family sessions eventually like after this was about like a month or so after i got out um and he was like yeah we got to bring them in because now we're starting to get to like your family trauma essentially and because they're we, we, we blame them right like they raised you so if you're gay and it's based in trauma then it must yeah. be something your parents did exactly and i was because it's not like right? i was a very sheltered child it's not like i went anywhere like it, yeah i mean i guess the neighbor could have come and played doctor with you or something but it, generally right it's, it was like there's no one around yeah, yeah. so we like, blame mom and dad we blame mom and dad yeah um so he started he didn't actually he didn't even ask me he just told them to come in one session and then they just walked in and i was like whoa okay i guess we're doing this now um and then as the last remaining five months it was around i guess like the last month or so we like i was having more like talks with the therapist specifically and i was obviously because therapy but like i just was like i just i feel what i feel like do you think that I would still choose to be this way after like physically, mentally and emotionally, like what I've been put through over this past year? I was like, I, I would be insane if anyone thought that I am choosing this. I was like, I've actively tried to not choose it. And here I am. Like I, I still like, and I love who I love. That doesn't change. And eventually he like, he just was like, I see what you mean. Like, yeah. He was like, you're, you're normal like you're not like insane or anything so i convinced mm. him mm -hmm. so his own therapy failed yeah. you mm -hmm. in that way yeah uh, and and that convinced him i mean there's a kind of like theodicy then in a, in a certain way like if he believes mm -hmm. that his therapy can cure the gay then people are not born gay yeah. but if you couldn't be cured then why yeah. would God create gay people exactly to punish them? Because I, like, yeah. I actively would tell him, I was like, I don't want this. I was like, it's causing, it, or at the point, because the only people I was around were my family. I was like, it's causing the people that should matter the most to me, the most like duress, and I don't want to do that to them. And mm -hmm. yet here I am, still like, oh, they're like cute. Or, like I like them. Like they make me feel nice. You know. Right. Mm -hmm. So what happens next? Uh, you just go back to you, you're you. It's over. It's it's over. It was more like back and forth with my family. I They started forcing me to go to church more um, with them because they weren't on board. Uh, and So there was a fracturing for you then with your Christianity. Yeah, there definitely was. It, the fracturing definitely happened like when the force, like the forcing me, because not even like during, I mean, the conversion therapy played a huge part in it. But the moment that it really started to like break for me was when my family was like forcing me to go with them and using it as a means to tell me that there was something wrong with me. Because it, it like it took away this what I had learned and been like taught growing up is that there is this being out there, God, that like he loves you no matter what. But now I'm being told that he doesn't. There's like stipulations to his love, apparently. 
And that's like, it was conflicting with me because I was like, no, that's not like what you all told me before. And that's what I'm going with is like what you all initially told me, not like what you're telling me now. So like, so yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Oh no. What were you going to say? <laughs> so walking into conversion therapy, you thought I'm evil. I need mm-hmm. to get right with my family. Yeah. Walking out of the experience with the therapist, were you did conversion therapy cure you of the idea that you were spiritually evil for being gay for having gay feelings it definitely in a way it played a part into it because it was more so like like with like any sort of like tests or anything you come up with like a theory and then it's not like proven until there's tests that like prove it and it, it was like i went through this thing that i was told it was supposed to like fix me of this thing now i'm seeing that it it doesn't (laughs) like nothing has changed about me and so the initial like oh i'm an evil person started to just like slowly just drift away from me so yeah it like it definitely it ironically it played a part in like my healing and like almost like my forgiveness of myself in a way boy this might save some people if we can (laughs) i hope so that's my goal (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to some of these parents yeah. if they learn that in fact conversion therapy can teach you that yeah. your feelings are not evil and that you are not evil and i think <laughs> yeah exactly and i think another like big portion of it speaking on like the this experience like t- speaking to other people because i just went specifically in like college i guess which you were there for i like i was there i you were there uh i started like (laughs) in my classes i would just talk about it to be like hey like this is a thing but then like even prior to that during my like senior year which was like the year that i re-emerged so many people were telling me like like whether it was like students or like teachers and stuff they're like wow like this is really like inspirational that you've been through this and you're still you despite of it and yeah they were telling me this but i wasn't necessarily like believing it like it was nice hearing it like i loved it and then i was like okay cool i'm glad that this can help other people too but at the same time i wasn't believing that i was a good person but then like through like the repetition and then people telling me to be like i like i want my like kids to be like you like this is awesome like they came out because of you and like people were coming to me to be like i'm i think that i might be a part of the community too and i was like why am all of a sudden that like i'm being put into this position and i felt like guilty about it because i still wasn't like completely like out of the woods yet with it Mm -hmm. like i still was working like on myself and trying to like accept myself but like almost through that and like other people saying that i was being an inspiration they were being an inspiration to me too to be like yeah yeah they're right too like this we're good like this is fine so it's not really i mean we're being a little cute about conversion therapy curing you of (laughs) feeling evil it's Uh, i i think it certainly from what you've described it played a role um but it was being out right that right i mean that's being out being out with people having Mm -hmm. people you know particularly at college i know we all yeah Yeah, you know loved you as you were (laughs) right and still do uh that's that's what really cured (laughs) that that, feeling it's really like it's having that support is definitely what is the most crucial because if i didn't have it like specifically during that whole like summer that i was locked away 
that's when the like heaviest parts because there was no one around to like lift me up in any way and be like hey like we still love you like no matter what i wasn't getting that from the people that i was around and so when i finally like re-emerged into the world and i was released i was like i got like the support system and that's like the one thing that i always tell people anytime that I have had them come up to me and be like, Hey, like, I'm not sure. And I was just like, even if you're not sure, just find people who like will be there for you, whether you are or you aren't having the people to like show that they love you is the most crucial thing that you need <laughs> or could use at yeah. least. Yeah. I'm going to say on behalf of the confessors, thank you for sharing this story. I know it's a tough one to tell, yeah, but, but I appreciate it. I really appreciate you putting this out there. Yeah. What if like, if, my thing has always been it is it's a rough thing and if anyone i guess i'll put this out there too if anyone ever wants to actually like reach out and learn a little bit more than like me just kind of brushing across the surface of what happened because there's there's definitely like a lot more like traumatic things that like happen in conversion therapy i'm like i'm always willing to talk about it because i want to be that voice and to put it out there that if anyone is ever feeling like how I felt I want to be the voice that I needed in that moment you know to yeah be that reach like, out yeah like, exactly like be that support that like I I wished I had absolutely like anyone at the time to be like hey like I'm here for you no matter what or like I'm here like if you just need to like talk about it and like get things off your chest like whatever you like need just like someone to listen to you and if i like put my story out there to help other people who might be going through the same thing who might not whether you know like of any degree just whatever i can do to help that's that's just what i want to do yeah do you want to tell people how to reach you or do you want oh, them to come through yeah. me uh i, I guess yeah i guess <laughs> um <laughs> So you can reach me, I guess I prim primarily am on Instagram, I suppose, uh, at J-K-I Wheatley, W-H-E-A-T-L-E-Y. Um, that's, it's usually the only social media that I visit. If not, uh, you, yeah, if any, if they you can like, just find us, yeah, <laughs> you can just Go come to the website. Go to Discord. the website. Go the Discord. I am actually, yeah, I guess that's another one. I'm on Discord a lot. You can find me there. Uh, if just anyone wants to ever like talk, that's I'm here. Let's do just a bit of theology then on the way out the door here. Do you think it's possible to be gay and Christian? Get by gay lesbian? Uh, yeah. I will say I didn't believe it, but I do believe it now. I'm where I'm at now specifically. I've I've been over the past couple of years trying to step back in a little bit. Um, I went through a whole phase of just experiencing different religions and stuff like that to just see what fit. And it's like I keep coming back to the things that like comfort me, which ironically is the one thing that I thought despise me the most but yeah i definitely think i think it's possible so there's nothing in christianity necessarily that precludes gay people no it's uh, there is a movie <laughs> that is coming out 
within the next few years or so. It is going to be called, uh, anyone can look it up now. They have a couple things out. It's called 1946. There was a moment that people decided to twist things. Like it's, I mean, it's common knowledge that the book, the Bible has been changed to fit certain things like in the past, like with Kings and stuff. Uh, and there was a moment in 1946 that was the first time that they ever actually entered the word homosexuality into the Bible. Up until that point, it was not there. So, yeah. Where, where did they put it? I don't really know. Uh, Leviticus. <laughs> it's, it's. Oh, the, wow. The whole, like, yeah, but you can't mix fabrics. We don't fabrics. follow Leviticus. <laughs> I know. It's the whole, like, you can't mix fabrics. You can't, like, the laws yeah. that they set. Nobody um, does any of that. That's the worst place to put it if you exactly. really want to exclude gay people because yeah. we're, like, getting tattoos and having yeah. beards and My not marrying our sisters' widows. Yeah, it's like, no one <laughs> listens to it anymore. Like, be gay, have fun, read the Bible if you want. <laughs> Yeah. So do yeah. you think Jesus would be all right with gay people? Oh yeah. Yeah, I he's yeah. like he's he was a cool dude even then. Like he was just helping people. I don't think he never once like discriminated against anyone. So like why would he have discriminated against us? So don't let anyone tell you that he ever would discriminate against you. That's my stance. <laughs> yeah, it's true. There there's no evidence for it in the gospels, yeah. right? Exactly. He certainly could have brought it up. <laughs> if he had strong feelings about it it sounded like he kept silent on the other topics exactly <laughs> he was a very vocal man like <laughs> right throw out the money changers that would be a great place to say and the gays but he didn't say that he didn't i didn't see that he anywhere stops so at the money changers he stopped at the money changers that's the people we really got to be going after <laughs> right I, that's the truth man mm -hmm. I mean, how about your spirituality today, your sexuality and your spirituality? So you're seeking a spiritual home. Yeah, that's yeah, I, that's where my my current journey is, is that I'm trying to find where I am. And I still like, I pray, not every day, but like I pray like when I'm feeling like down, I will still like read uh, scriptures that like would comfort me like back in the day um like specifically like philippians 4 13 is it's called the 10 fingered prayer uh and i like i say that to myself actually <laughs> i never told actually no one has ever known this insider information on me specifically when i was doing <laughs> shows and stuff with you so i would say the prayer to myself three times before every single show uh, really? Yeah. It was like a mantra that I made for myself that I would like say a Bible verse to myself before I like went out on to the stage. So I would always meditate before performing. So that makes sense. Similar yeah. idea. You're that's, centering yourself and I think that's, opening yourself, right? Yeah. I like, I found that connection between honestly, like the meditations and stuff that you would teach us. I was like, this really like it, obviously it is different between like guided meditations and stuff i was like but this feels no different really than when i'm having my like spiritual moments i was like i'm still meditating then ironically so but the religious content it, it doesn't like carry I, I guess you know like if you get food poisoning you never want to eat that thing again mm -hmm. but the the spiritual content the religious content the biblical content doesn't carry that sort of you know what i mean staying yeah. with it no not really i mean like obviously the scriptures that have been twisted in the bible those i like stay away from but like the ones that i knew 
would give me like comfort and like guidance when I need it. I like, I still go back to them occasionally. And you can see yourself in a congregation sometime. I, I'm very like divided on that. Uh, Mm. Cause I've found that I've all, I was always taught growing up too that it ironically, it is a relationship, not a religion is what my parents would always tell us. Uh, and I, that kind of has like stuck to with me that I would hear other people like talk about it too. And that it's, it's like, it's individual. Like you get out of it, like what you need. So if you just have a little moment at home, that's still like, that's still like a religious or like a relationship, like moment with God and, I'm still able to have those moments just like when I'm alone and I don't necessarily see the, I know that it's good and like practicing to get around other people who are also practicing. But like, I found that like, I can just have my moments like here and like really like when I need it the most, I guess. That makes sense. Yeah. And it continues to function in a Christian paradigm. It does, yeah. It's like specifically like music too is like what kind of connects me to it. And it's like a lot of like Christian music will there's some good good feel good songs that you can like find in there that like I just like play that in the background and then I just evaluate like what's going on and then I just kind of I'm like, okay, like here's a verse that gives me like a few inspirational words. And then also this song is also feeling like very like inspirational to me. And it's giving me like this uplifting feeling. And also it's like giving me some good advice. And that's kind of, kind of where I, I feel like I probably will stay. Who knows? Like maybe one day I might start seeing what the churches that have like the pride flags are about. (laughs) Cause like I've had like a lot of, friends and stuff who like go to churches that are welcoming and stuff. And they will say like, Hey, like you should do this. And I'm like, maybe, but I think the being forced to go is what's kind of my drawback. (laughs) That like stubborn nature is like holding me back from it a little bit. The, the old guilt, the guilt is what drives you to the church. The old guilt, the old guilt of just, yeah, that you have to go. And like being forced to go to, I don't want to be like forced to do something. I want to like experience this because this is what like I'm choosing to do. And this is what's right for me, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. <laughs> I think that's, I think that's good. I think that's good. <laughs> I feel better now. Now I feel good. <laughs> I got to get that out. I was like, oh, probably not all conversion therapy. Don't want to be that dark. <laughs> No, yeah, yeah, I think that's that's a nice balance, yeah. yeah. And, and I have a feeling, Luke, that the other folks are going to also have similar ideas that, you know, you can maintain some kind of Christianity, mm-hmm. you know, because Jesus never said no. He never said no. <laughs> <laughs> and Leviticus, that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's rough. <laughs> it's, yeah. There's so much in Leviticus. That's utterly absurd. I didn't realize it all rested on Leviticus. I thought maybe Paul. I mean, Paul ran his mouth. Yeah, he ran his mouth about Christian people and then 
he became one. So, you know, that but is. he never mentioned gays in any context. <laughs> the New Testament never mentions gays. And I feel that's something that no one ever pays attention to. And I'm like, that's even if someone did get their hands on it and changed it when like the original term wasn't even like it was talking about it was it was more so going into the when a older person lies with a younger person basically is the route that it was going which is illegal and not good and then Mm. they decided to shift it and that's i think that's also where a lot of the stemming of assuming that people who are gay are also you know pedophiles yeah that's yeah, where the that grooming from the grooming i mean like, you were just in florida man <laughs> i know <laughs> home of the groomers Rough says you, your former governor yeah, i know it was a scary place right it's far more progressive there i mean i'm sure you have the gay churches everywhere yeah oh my gosh i haven't seen a church yet that doesn't have a gay flag and i'm like (laughs) all right maybe that's a sign god are you like talking to me like is this something i should like do like what's going on here? (laughs) all right jake the uh, knight of the dangling serpent Uh, master of the dangling serpent yeah yeah, you we can elevate you this was great thank you for taking the time to do this for us yeah. Uh, I know you're busy these days out in Seattle. Yeah. 